I am back to Kenya in Jesus' name. Praise God. While you remain standing, help me welcome my friend, noble man of God, the president and founder of Gateway International Church, Port Harcourt, a top achiever and a dynamic leader, qualifies to talk on leadership. Please join me, celebrate. Reverend George Izuma, put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just lift your hands and let's worship Him. Father, we give you praise. We give you the honor. We adore you. What a mighty God you serve. We serve. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Father, this morning we ask for an encounter. Do something supernatural. Take us to another level. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout Amen. Help me celebrate my friend and brother. Help me celebrate the woman of God beside him. We, we love you guys. Manuela sends greetings. Thank you so, so much for all you do here. And every one of us that's here today, God will take us higher. In Jesus' name. Please sit down briefly. <clears throat> uh, you see, one of the things that determine our impact in ministry is the capacities we are built. Uh, if you build good capacity, it looks as if uh, ministry is easy. If you don't, it looks as if ministry is hard. Uh, are you with me? Because leaders are not just elevated followers. No, 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 no. We, we, we have to be much more than that. I say to the church I pastor many times, you see... Uh, some people that claim to be leaders, but are just, uh, uh, you know, they're like a small boy holding a big dog. Anywhere the dog goes, the boy is dragged along. Uh, no, that's not how leadership is. If you're going to lead, you must be ahead. And you must be the one dictating the direction and the pace. And for you to do that effectively, you must be able to build capacity. So what we're talking about, uh, building capacity. We're talking about developing or steering or refining or strengthening the knowledge, the values, the abilities and the tendencies you need to fulfill your assignment. That's what it means to build capacity. You are developing, you are steering, you are refining, you are imparting, you are strengthening the knowledge, the values, the abilities, the tendencies you need to thrive. In the assignment that God has given to you. And uh, destiny allocation is about capacities. It's not just about favor. Uh, a lot of times we read the scriptures and we see what God says. Jesus was talking about a king that was about to uh, go on a journey. And gathered a few of his uh, servants. And gave them gifts. One, five, one, two, one, one. And the Bible said he gave them a According to their several ability. So, you see, the giving of the gift is the favor. But the size of the gift is determined by ability. So, many people look at the favor part, but they don't think about the ability part. So, the giving of the gift, the king giving them the gift is favor. But the dimension of the gift 
is based on the abilities. So, God calls you into ministry. God gives you an assignment. God puts you in leadership. But the extent in which He takes you forward is by the capacities you build. And I'm trusting the Lord that God will give us that grace in the precious name of Jesus. When you build capacity, your boldness increases. Uh, one of the uh, books I wrote many years ago that uh, became a bestseller among pastors is titled How Idiots uh, Succeed in Ministry. When, when, when the book came out newly, it was it, 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 a lot of criticism, the title Idiots. How can, I, how can you say idiots succeeding in ministry? And, you know, I don't get into all of that. I just got to the Bible. And I said to them, after the 4 verse 13, the Bible said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and understood that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Those words, unlearned and ignorant, came from one Greek word called idiotis. No, you didn't hear me. <laughs> so, they were called idiots. But they took knowledge of them. That they are being with Jesus. He built capacity for them. And they shook their generation. So when you sit down with him and you build capacity, everything becomes easy. Look at Matthew 13, 52. In the message translation. Matthew 13, 52. In the message translation, very quickly. Uh, can you get it? Uh, let me... Okay, it's here. Okay, it said, then you see... How every student, well trained in God's kingdom, is like the owner, keep going, of a general store. Who can put his hands on anything you need, old or new, exactly when you need it. If a student is well trained in the word of God, he can put hand on anything and bring it out as you need it. So whatever life demands from you as a leader, you can give it. That's what it means. When you build capacity, when you are well trained in the word, he says, like the owner of a general store, they put a demand, you show up. You won't fail your generation. Amen. I say, you won't fail your generation. Amen. I say, you won't fail your generation. Amen. Because of time, I'm not going to run around a lot of things, but you see, uh, I'm going to talk to you about some. When, when we talk about capacities, there, there are so many. Uh, very physical capacity to build in leadership and all of that. And, and I won't have time to get into that. Let me talk a little bit more about the spiritual capacities. Uh, if we can get into that, we do that. The first capacity I want you to build is this. Capacity to take a journey into God and with God. That's the first capacity of a spiritual leader. Whether a worker in the church, whether an overseer, it doesn't matter. If you are going to be in leadership, you must have the capacity to take a journey with God and into God. I say to the pastors I mentor, the ministry is essentially traveling into God and coming back to take people to where you have been. So if you have not been anywhere, you can't take people there. That's why ministries have different flavors. Ministries look different. It's not because they're right or wrong. It's because what the dimension somebody entered is the dimension he shares. 
no. Are you hearing me? So, so many times we spend time in ministry fighting others, thinking that they are wrong. Some of them are not wrong. Now, of course, when, there's a, when, when wrong is in doctrine and morality, is a different thing. I hope you are getting what I'm talking about. When, when all core things are involved, it's a different thing. When I'm talking about expo- experiences of ministry uh, and, and dimensions of oppressions, are you with me? Because the Bible says to us in 1 Corinthians 12, it says there are differences of administrations, but it's the same Lord. Come on. Do you understand me? So, when we are talking about taking a journey into God, I found out, and this is very, very true, that a lot of younger pastors today, if they have an issue and you say to them, What did God say? they don't know. They have no capacity to travel into God, they have no capacity to take a walk with God. They make choices based on how they feel, what they think, what the environment says, and they keep going. And their lives are sinking. You see, many times people cannot say to you, God led me. And even when they're saying that, they're saying with a hypocritical mindset. They don't know what it is. You see, God said to Moses, He said, I met you on this mountain, yes. He said, now you go and bring Israel. And this is the token that I've sent you. When you bring them, they worship me on this mountain. So I met you here, I bring them here. Are you hearing me? He said, I met you here, bring them here. Let them encounter the God you encountered. In First John chapter 1, from verse 1 to 4, John said, we saw something. We touched something. We felt something. He said, First John chapter 1 from verse 1 to 4. He, he, said, he said, the thing we experience, the thing our hands have handled, that's what we are sharing with you. We, we are sharing with you what we handled. Peter said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. He said, we are eyewitnesses, not hearsayers. We are eyewitnesses, not hearsayers. And there are many people who are not eyewitnesses. They are trying to market an encounter they don't have. Come on, are you hearing me? They're trying to market the supernatural and they don't know where the realm is. And, and it's important we get back there. When there is no revelation of God, there can be no ministry impact. There can be no boldness. It, it, it's difficult to market a <laughs> God you have not met. In Matthew 16, 16 to 18, when Peter... Uh, when Jesus was talking with the disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And this guy said, they say. This one said, they say. This one said, they say. This one, they say. And he came personal. Who do you? And everybody shut up. Everybody had what they said. What do you people say? What can the Hagen say? What uh, can the Copland say? What uh, this guy said? What Benahin said? Uh, everybody has something somebody said. What are you saying? And you can't say anything except you saw something. Or you heard something. So Peter got up and he was the only one that said anything. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, this is not from Bible study. This is not from Sunday service. He said, this is not from the teaching you heard. He said, you tapped into something supernatural. There's a realm you entered. This came by revelation. And on the basis of this revelation, I will build something. So destinies are built on the basis of revelation. Outside of that, all you'll be doing is wasting your effort. 
Haven't you had people that got up and said, God called them and after two years they retired? <laughs> I always tell people, when they are jumping out to go and start a church, you will never be able to establish that you are called until seven years. <laughs> after seven years. After seven years. You, you, know, you know, the reason is because by the first one or two months, you are still on honeymoon. People are still following you. All your stories to them are still relevant. All the accusations you made about your boss are still relevant. But after a few years, when the honeymoon phase is over, that's when they will know who you met. If you met you, it will show. If you met him, it will show. If you met man, it will show. If you met him, it will show. That's why when you see a young, young people jumping around to run away with somebody who is starting a new walk, you pity them because they can't verify whether he met God or not. And after a few years, they get disgruntled. They get confused. The man can't move and they can't move. And he begins to explain how witchcraft is fighting <laughs> How witchcraft is fighting him. Nobody is fighting him. <laughs> Lift your hand. May you go there in the name of Jesus. I, I, don't have, I, I don't have much time. Let's go to the next thing. Because I'm going to just get into a general move at the end. The second thing is capacity to read and run with another man's vision. You need to build that capacity. Particularly for us under leaders. Capacity to read and to run with another man's vision. Habakkuk chapter 2, 1 and 2. He said, write the vision. Make it plain upon tables. He said that he may read one that readeth it. He said, this vision is for an appointed time. Even in the church, if something your man of God said has not happened, there's an appointment. Calm down. The vision is for an appointed time. Nothing messes up a leader like assistants who can't see what he's saying. It messes you up. You come down from the mountain and your assistants are not anywhere where you are. You're praying at this room. They're praying so down there. It's as if everything you bring, there is... Are you still with me? It messes you up. It messes you up. And you see... Your assistance, the circle around you, can determine whether you get there or not. It's very, very important for every leader to know that. And for every assistant to know that. that that's why you are merciless in kicking out some people who are disturbing you as God's journey. You don't wait. You don't get calm about it. You see, God said to Moses, uh, Tell everybody, 40 years you'll be in the wilderness. Now, when Moses was told to tell everybody that there are going to be 40 years in the wilderness, that means Moses will also be 40 years in the wilderness. Now, the misbehavior of the assistance he sent on an errand stopped his own journey for 40 years. Moses didn't bring back an evil report. Moses wouldn't have needed to strike the rock twice if he got into Canaan the same month. Come and talk to me. It was a 40 day journey. He would have made a mistake. But they suspected his journey. When God judged them, he judged their master. That's why you are brutal about saying, no, get out. You are not going to be here. Is anybody still hearing me? Only people who catch the spirit of a leader can run effectively with a leader. Only people. You see, you've got to understand that. Uh, one of the things you see in the life of Moses is this. Moses has 70, uh, uh, 8,600 assistants. 
And they were not effective. 78,000. Okay. The Bible said they were captains of thousands. And there were 600,000 men. So there were, that's 600. They were captains of hundreds. That's 6,000. They were captains of fifties. That's 12,000. They were captains of tens. That's 60,000. 60,000 plus 12,000. That's 72,000. Plus 6,000. That's 78,000. Plus 600. That's 78,600 assistant pastors and workers. And then Moses faced God and said to God, He said, This burden is too much for me. And God said to Moses, Get only 70. I will take your spirit and put in them, and 70 will do more than 78,000. What you need is not the people hanging around, it's the people that catch your spirit. When they catch the spirit of a leader, the journey becomes easier. And many times in church, you see, there's something I've explained to the people like Pastor. Please, sirs, please, three of you just come. Please drop what you're holding. There are things I've explained to my leaders that a lot of people don't understand. Uh, you, you stand in the middle. You stand here. You stand here. Because some people don't understand what leadership is all about and who actually they should follow. Uh, there was a battle in Israel. Israel versus Amalek. Joshua is at the battlefield. And then Moses is at the mountain. Sir, can you be Joshua for us? So, Joshua is out there. Let's call Joshua a businessman. Let's call him a politician. He's there doing strange exploits. Everybody is seeing his success in the battlefield. But the success is predicated on this guy lifting his hand. As Moses' hands are up, he's winning. Moses' hands are down, he's losing. The people are seeing his success. They don't see the hand lifted. That's what goes on in church. That's why some people, when they begin to succeed, they begin to misbehave. Something enters into them. They think it's by their smartness and their connections and whatever. And you see they begin to drift away. And when they drift, you see them go down. The reason is because the lifted hand of the man is affecting this. Come on, do you get me? But, but that's not all. You see, Moses gets tired. Now, common sense should dictate that if this guy is tired, he came there with Aaron and her. Her, Aaron represents the priesthood. Her represents the laity. These are the people that, these the guys that pray. These are the ones that partner. Come on, are you hearing me here? The, you have this, walking with him and all that. Now, his hands are tired. You will say, okay, step aside. Aaron, since you're a priest, can you lift your hand too? Since it's lifting hand that makes people win. But it's not lifting hand. Because among the three, only one hand is not in heaven. So if you lift your hand, it doesn't work. He lifts his hand, it doesn't work. So both of them have to keep this hand lifted for this guy to keep winning. Come on, are you hearing me? So they kept him lifted. That's the challenge we have in church. That people don't understand what it means to serve under a key leader. They don't understand the implication of the leader's hand being weakened. They don't understand what it means to run with another person's vision passionately. So they are under your vision and they have their vision. They have all kinds of things driving them. And they don't understand that those things that are driving them are what is keeping them down. Because if I don't run fast, you can't move fast. Amen. If I don't go, you can't go. 
You may, you, you, you may misunderstand what I'm saying. You may disagree with what I'm saying. But try it. Hallelujah. Come on. Are you with me? Thank you very much. Can go. So the capacity to, to read and roll with another person's vision is very important. It takes love. It takes loyalty. It takes humility. It takes discipline. It takes sacrifice. It takes consistency. You can't do it without love. Many years ago, when I was, the church I'm pastoring was younger, I had one or two people who looked spiritual. And they came to church. And every time they say, well, uh, you see, in this church, that, that, that is, they didn't come for a man, they came for God. Initially, I would, have said, I would just ignore it. Until one that was reading Joshua, sorry, Gideon, going to war. And Gideon said to the people with him, he said, when you enter the battle, you are going to scream, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So I said, no, the sword of the Lord alone doesn't win the war. He asked me the sword of the Lord that judges who won. If you are not, if you are here only for God, get out. You must be here for God and me. I, I, am I talking to somebody here? I was brutal about it, and it helped my work. You can't tell me you came here for only Jesus. You came for Jesus and me. Come on, are you hearing me here too? You must be passionate in your heart. You must love the person that you are le- that you are, is leading you, Passion- loyally, passionately. Don't use religion and destroy the work of God. A form of godliness. That's wrong. Come on, are you with me? So somebody says, I love God, but he's bewitching the pastor. He's gossiping the pastor. And he can pray violently. And look religious. No, you're a witch. Yeah. Are we still here? Please, the capacity. Let's go to a third thing because of time. The third capacity you must build if we're going to uh, grow together is capacity to inspire and disciple your under leaders. Capacity to inspire them. Running with my vision is not enough. You will run with my vision and inspire others to run with it and disciple them to run with it. I always... Uh, well, uh, this is South Africa. I don't know how your system here works, but I know Nigeria, we have a lot of problems. And one of the, one of the problems we have in Nigeria is people don't have this understanding of succession. They don't think about what happens after I depart. They don't plan for it. You are not hearing me. And because we don't have that decency, it came into church. So somebody is sitting on a position. And he's not asking himself, when I leave here, who takes over? So you have a worship leader who is not raising somebody who can take over if he's not there. Anybody that looks like he can do well, he puts him down. Come on, are you with me? And you, you have people that are occupying positions that are afraid of competition. But the truth is that competition sharpens you more. Competition helps you to grow better. Capacity.
opportunity to inspire others. You know, some people come to you, they say, you know, pastor, uh, in my department or whatever, you see, the people are not motivated. Excuse me. The leader owns the motivation of his team. The leader, I, I was told, um, uh, I, I read it in a book many years ago. I wish I remembered the book before I came. Uh, I wasn't thinking of saying that. But uh, it was a, something of Abraham Lincoln during the American Civil War. One of, the, one of the generals came to him and said to him that his troop, because there was little supplies and other, were demotivated. And Abraham Lincoln said, fire him. So they removed him. And then somebody asked him. And Abraham Lincoln said, the leader is in charge of the morale of his soldiers. He said, don't come to me and tell me as a commander-in-chief that your soldiers are demoralized. He said, no, even if there is no supply at all, you keep them excited. You keep them inspired. You keep them motivated. Is anybody hearing me? Amen. You don't come back to us with bad news. Come back to us and tell us what you have done to stem the bad news. What are you doing to make it stop? So a leader must be able to discipline and inspire, disciple and inspire those under him. You see, uh, it's, it's always a tragedy when you have uh, somebody who walked with greatness, die and leave emptiness. It's terrible. Look at a man called Joshua in the Bible. Joshua walked with Moses. Moses picked him up. They called him the servant of Moses. Inspired him. Taught him. Laid hands on him. Put his honor on him. Promoted him. Joshua died and left a vacuum. Nobody. The Bible says after he died, the whole nation was in confusion. How? He just wanted to be the greatest. It's not a competition. Come on. Are we still here? How do I make sure? No, no, you're not talking people down. Pushing them forward. So if you are serving in any department and nobody is rising to your level, something is wrong. Come on, are you with me? You are trying to bring them up. Are you still with me? Don't leave a vacuum. Four things we expect from every assistant. Making, modeling, mentoring, and monitoring. You are growing. That's the making. You are modeling. You are showing people what to do. Then you are mentoring them. So first one, you are growing. Second thing, you are an example. The third one, you are mentoring them, you are training them. And the fourth one, you are monitoring what they are doing. That's what we expect. Making, modeling, mentoring, and monitoring. So, when we are working in a church, I always tell my people, you see, I'm a very intentional person, but sometimes I just create function gaps. I, you, you are doing something, I just leave a space empty. And you don't try to get too involved in it. Some people think it's a mistake creating a function gap. No. Somebody should fill that gap. Somebody should bring an idea there. Somebody should help you do something. You can't have an assistant pastor who has no idea. Come on. 
Come on, are you with me? So, when I tell you, own that vision, and I'm asking you, tell me what you think. I want to know what you think. I don't have to work it out all for you. Do you get me? So, creating a function gap is a way of empowering people. But you know, very people who don't understand, they will think the pastor abandoned work for them. They didn't know pastor is allowing them to grow. Come on, are you with me? You grow. Anything that stretches you, grows you. <laughs> so you work on it. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. Let's run for time's sake. The fourth capacity is capacity to discern and engage spiritual atmospheres. Capacity to discern and engage spiritual atmospheres. You see, oh, it's a dangerous thing for you to have a leader who can discern atmospheres. Jesus said to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 16, 1 to 3. He said, look at the sky. And you say, well, the way the sky is looking today, there will be rain. Another day you look at the sky and say, well, the way the sky is looking, uh, it's going to be sunny today. He said, you can read the signs of the sky, but you can't read the signs of the times. Come on, are you with me? You have sense for the natural, but no sense for the spiritual. Assistants who cannot read spiritual atmospheres slow down revival. I was just telling him just a few moments ago in the office. I said I was planning our training schedule for my pastors next year. And I was saying to God, what do I say is the team for our workers and leaders training for all of next year? And he just gave me only one word, urgency. 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 What kind of urgency? There is no time. Revival is now. We've got to enter into it. And let there be this passion to run. Urgency. If you can't read that, you can run into trouble. You know, Jesus was telling the uh, disciples, He said, you, you, Can't you watch with me for one hour? And no, no. Jesus was praying before He went to the cross. He's telling them to watch with Him for one hour. And He makes a statement to them. He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. They are watching with him for one hour. wasn't for him. It was for them. Do you know that many times when you decree a fast for your workers, they think it's for church. They think you are doing it for you to boost your ministry. They don't know that when they look for you, they can't find you. They look for them. That an arrow flying toward their leader, he dodge, will find somebody behind if the person is not careful. Peter, yes, he says, Satan has desired you to sift you like with, but I have prayed for you that you are faith. Peter said, Forget it, me, I can't fail. Jesus said, Let us pray. Peter was sleeping. And then when they grabbed him, he was swearing. He was swearing, I don't know him, with an oath. <laughs> Why? Because something has grabbed him. May they not grab you. <laughs> Ability to decide. You see, sometimes ministry oppressing seasons and cycles. And sometimes you can miss a major season because the people working with you didn't discern it. Proverbs 10, verse 5 A son that plays in harvest is a son that brings sorrow and shame. 
You can't play in the harvest season. Jeremiah 8.22, he said the summer is past. The, 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 the winter is past. The summer, the, 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 sorry, the summer is past. Uh, and we are not saved. You, 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 you can't. You, you can't be hanging around. Without an understanding that there is some urgency. And there are times. That not discerning the atmosphere spiritually can be very, very disastrous. Are you with me? You see, for you as a leader, and for the people that are under you, come on, are you with me? There are times that, I shared a story a few months ago. Uh, it was last year. Early, was it last year? No. Early this year. I'm trying to process, no. Last year, sorry, last year, early last year. This is 2022 now. Uh-huh. Early last year, around me, I got up. I was praying, and then I saw some strange vision, and then I just knew that the devil wanted to score a quick point against the church, not the church I pastor, the body of Christ. So I said, God, what do I do? I just said, gather a few pastors. So I gathered about 120 pastors. And I say to them, we're going to be in my office every day for four days. We'll be praying for minimum of two hours in the Holy Ghost, something up to three hours and all of that. They agreed, so they came. First day, they asked me, what are we praying about? I said, just pray. Second day, I told them it was a bit clear that I look at what the devil is trying to do. Third day, fourth day, we finished praying. We took authority. Now, that was over. That was May. Get to July ending. And one evening, one of the names in the church in Nigeria that is most known around the world, one of the cutting big Christian voices in our nation, just called me. I said, I've not said any this to anybody. He said, but something just happened today. And I'm listening to him. I said, what happened, sir? He talked and talked and told me what happened. And the devil strategized to take him out. He was inches from being destroyed. So I just said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I knew what we did. So I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And all that. He finished and he dropped. So I turned to my wife. I said, no, nothing we prayed about. And all of that. My wife said, did you tell him when he told you? I said, no. He said, call him and tell him. So I picked my phone. And I called him. I said, on so so and so day, look at this, look at this, look at this. And this is what I did. And all of that. He kept quiet for some time. And I said, George, he said, I love you with my life. Every time Satan looks like he won, somebody slept on the duty. Capacity to discern. Every time he looks like Satan won, somebody slept on duty. You see, look at it this way. Uh, Moses and Aaron are over there talking to the people in the camp. 
Aaron is a high priest. He's a go between between God and man. He's the intercessor. He's the person that makes the sacrifices of atonement. He's standing there, but he has one problem. Even though he's a prayer leader of the church, he's spiritually blind. This guy is the one that's supposed to bring prayer covering for the church. While the pastor brings spiritual covering. He's blind. So, they're talking. And then suddenly the atmosphere of the heavens changed. And Aaron is there, didn't descend. Moses turned to Aaron and said, Aaron, run. Go to the house. Pick your censer. Please, anger has left heaven. The man who is the intercessor didn't know when anger left heaven. 80 something year old man. Before he could get back to the house and come back with the censer, thousands were dead. The Bible says he stood between the dead and the living. But those who died, he killed them. If he saw before, he wouldn't have had one loss. We need to have this consciousness that we... Listen, listen. Whether it's the atmosphere of revival or the atmosphere of demonic attack, it's still there. Come on, are you hearing me? It's still there. The atmosphere of satanic hindrance. Somebody said to me one time, no, Satan doesn't do anything in the church again. I said, Paul said, I will have come to you once and again. Satan hindered me. After the cross, Paul still called the devil the God of this world. So you have to understand that he's still making some noise. And he's still stopping some moves of God. And we need to engage him. But if you can't discern, you can't be affected. Let's go to the next one. Are we still here? The fifth one. Is capacity to generate traffic by creative outreaches. Capacity to generate traffic by creative outreaches. That's a capacity must develop. You see, uh, I always try to tell people, people keep telling, they say, ah, secret of church growth, secret of church growth. We, we had uh, the mentoring class I do. We went to London and uh, we did uh, Impact London and then we're discussing. I went with... Uh, Godman Akin Labi Angerias and Green uh, Bible. So we, we did a class and they were discussing and they were talking about the secrets of church growth. And I said, listen, I said, everything we have taught is good, but the greatest secret to church growth is traffic. If you can't create the traffic, your church won't grow. Anyhow, you look at it. You see, uh, it's very simple. Your church is a hundred members. You want to take the church to two hundred members. Are you with me? Now that means you need a hundred new persons, right? And let's let's take the physical. Let's go with the physical research. We can uh, increase our faith afterwards. But uh, people that teach us on church growth tells us that a regular good church with good systems retains one of the four of people that come. Uh, churches that operate in a higher dimension can do up to 50%. Anything above that is God. That's a miracle something. Come on, are you with me? Uh, if you have two persons come, if you retain one, that's God. 
So you have this. So let's say this is an average wonderful spirit filled church that many times does 25%. Some churches do less than 10%. Some not even return. No, you're not hearing me. So if you do 25%, if you need 100 new members, that means you must generate 400 traffic. If you don't generate 400 traffic, you cannot have 100 new members. Come on, are you with me? Now, generating 400 traffic means that you have to be intentional week by week because you have 52 weeks. So take away the first Sunday, take away Christmas and all the ending. You have 50 weeks. 50 divided 400 is 8. That means every Sunday you walk into church as a 100 member church and you didn't have 8 guests. You have missed your target. You see, it's not a mystery that churches don't grow. It's just that they're not intentional. They don't know about it. Nobody teaches them. So they just say, fast and pray, fast and pray, fast and pray. Question is, what can you do that is not sin that can get somebody to pass through your door? Anything that is not sinful that can get a person to pass through your door, do it. Create the traffic first. Because if they don't test of your food, how would they decide whether to come back again? How do you roast a fish you have not caught? Come on, are you hearing me? How do you do that? So, people sit down and hope that church will grow. And they're not asking, how do I create traffic for church to grow? And while you are creating that traffic of 100 to 200, there's a time you do a special program, a special program that can give a bump of traffic. Maybe 200 can come that program. And now, that's how the churches become mega. Come on, are you with me? If not, you just, you just die in stagnation. Grace. Receive grace. I say receive grace. I say receive grace. I say receive grace. Listen to me. Any leader, any assistant who is not intentional about growing the church should not be on the team. Should not be on the team. If, if, if evangelism is a problem for you, please don't come. When I do a one-on-one with my leaders at the end of the year, uh, among the 22 questions I list out for them at the beginning of the year, I'm going to ask them at the end of the year. One of them is, how many people did you bring to church in the year? You must answer me. You are free to lie, but at least I asked you. So your record can be with me and God. Come on, are you hearing me? So it's before me. You are here. And that's why in our leadership, we try to put our leadership tenured. So we don't ask you to uh, be a worship leader and you become the, the traditional role of the worship team. No. There's a tenure. So we review it. So if you don't... <laughs> come on, are you with me? If, 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 you, if you don't meet up, we ask you to step aside. Somebody else should take over the leadership. It's not a bad thing. We are not hurting you. We are giving you time to grow. Receive grace. Our time is up. But I want you to please understand. Are you with me? That everybody must be intentional about creating traffic. Don't tell me that your job is to clean the church. If you clean the church and nobody came, what are we going to do with the cleaning? I went to preach for a church. They called me to their men's convention. 
and asked me to preach. And I came. And that day the whole men prepared for a song. So they have the mass choir of the men in the church. They asked the men to get up and go and sing. All the men got up and stood in front of the church to sing. I looked into the church. There was no other man standing. So I asked them as I picked the microphone. I said, when you are preparing the song, did you ask yourself, who am I inviting? You are busy rehearsing a song. You didn't invite the people that are going to listen to that. Let's not prepare. You know, when there's a major program, choristers and worship team leaders, that beauty, rehearsing. They rehearse. We have heard you before now. Let somebody new hear you too. So while you are rehearsing, invite people. Come on, are you still with me? We, we have to be intentional about that. Let me stop with this. Uh, because we have just six minutes. Capacity to handle church dynamics and crisis. You must have that. Capacity to handle church dynamics and crisis. Believe me, there's always group dynamics in every area. Everywhere you enter on this earth, if there are people there, Jesus said, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. Come on, are you with me? Offenses will come. And people get into leadership and they have very thin skin. And any small thing, that's so sensitive. Somebody didn't greet them well. They offended. You rebuke them. They offended. How do you work with assistants and you keep looking at their face before you can talk to them? You can't rebuke somebody. It doesn't matter how close you are to me. Are you hearing? It doesn't matter how close you are. I should be able to look in the eye and say, No. I rebuke you. But if I have to watch and guard everything, in order not to offend you, so that you don't walk away, are you in the massage parlor? What's wrong with you? It's the church of Jesus. Praise the Lord. But we have to be able to say to you, you are not getting it right. And if you are that sensitive, you are not called. So we have to understand many times what keeps people down is that, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, uh, somebody was teaching one time. He made a comment. He was teaching one of my uh, pastor's uh, conferences. And he said, you know, uh, if, if, you, if you raise people well, there will be, no be no crisis in the church. If you train them well, you know, uh, uh, I said, when he finished teaching, I picked the microphone. As I thank God for the things he said, but this particular one is not correct. I said, Jehovah is without sin. He's sitting in heaven and iniquity was found in Satan. How? Explain to me how a sinless God is in heaven and iniquity is who put iniquity in Satan? Jesus is the greatest mentor and disciple on earth. And Judas was stealing under his assignment. And the source of Zebedee were struggling for position. Politics in church. And using village connections. <laughs> so how can you say it doesn't happen? I want every one of you to know. Offenses will be there. 
Never, never, never. Go with somebody who is afraid to offend you. Please look up here. In courtship, that's one of the greatest things that lead to ruin in marriage. When two persons are courting and they keep putting the right foot forward, they never discuss anything that can make any one of them great conflict. They don't know each other until they get home. They keep playing games. I love you, I love you, I love you, until they get home and they open the package. And each one of them is stunned. They will never. You're always trying to be nice. Please show yourself early. Kaiman, <laughs> let us know what's going on. <laughs> Are you still hearing me? Show yourself early. I can't be relating with you and I'm always scared of talking to you. I can't correct you. I'm always looking at your face. If I say this now, he may not come to church on Sunday. No. I believe God. That I should live here. We'll build this capacity. I don't have all the time to talk about how to build it, but spend time, study them, trust the Lord, and He will give you direction. Stand to your feet. Just lift your hand and ask Him for the next level. Can you lift your hands and just talk to the Lord? Tell Him. Ah, put your urgency in my heart. Grace another level of ministry. Grace another level of leadership. Grace another level of manifestation. Grace another dimension of the supernatural. Zatola kapala brahikatoha. Thank you, Father. Somebody shout, Amen. Amen. We're going to give God an offering. I want you to talk to the Lord and drop a seed that you will call a next level seed. Something that will shift you to another dimension. Something that will shift your ministry, your assignment to another dimension. I want you to trust the Holy Ghost right now. And I want you to give something that matters to heaven and that matters to you. Please, I want you to do that right away. Everywhere you are, let us be able to do that now. Lift it up. What do you want? You may have heard my voice, but that may be God speaking to you, asking what do you want. So tell him what you want out of this. Tell him what you want out of it. And the authority of Jesus. 
Let the power of God come upon you. Let the answer you seek be created. In the name of Jesus Christ. You will live here now and see quick results. In the name of Jesus Christ. The heavens over you be open and remain open. The assignment in your life accelerate. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command clarity of vision. I command release of resources. I command partnership. I command loyalty. Everything you need to move forward, take it in the name of Jesus Christ. Every resistance on your assignment, break in the name of Jesus Christ. The hand of God come upon you to go forward. It will be said concerning you, the Lord helped him. The Lord helped her. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the area of your life that's a source of concern right now, the power of God intervene in that area. The yoke in that area be broken. Your healing be commanded. Your home be healed. Your business be healed. Your career be healed. The ministry be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ. Ideas that will propel a revolution. Let it come into your inner man. From this hour, let a new day begin. Father, we call it done. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Put your hands together for the Lord. Can the ushers receive the offering? Put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me have it here. You can come. Beautiful. Thank you all very much for coming. What a mighty God we serve. God's servant is here again in the evening. The meeting in the evening is for 6.30. When you are coming, invite someone. Praise God. We are going to release everybody now to go rest and get set for the evening. But before you all go, can we allow the man of God to go to the office? Sir, put your hands together for the Lord as he goes. This way, sir. This way. Keep clapping as he goes. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keep clapping, keep clapping. Praise God. Hallelujah. Once again, thank you all very much for coming. All the pastors that took our time to come. Pastor Abbe, I see you at the back there. You were trying to hide, but I still saw you. Praise God. Thank you all very, very much for coming. You see, I, I believe that there are three key things that will always make you have impact. One of them is knowledge. Amen. I've learned a lot more today now, more than I knew before. Who learned something from this? The other thing is self-development. Which of you was challenged? That's self-development. Hallelujah. And then the third key is this state growth. We have grown. There are some things you did yesterday you won't do today. You know why? You heard truth. Praise God. Father, we thank you because this will bear fruit eternally in Jesus' name. We're going to close the service. Please do come in the evening. And then when you're coming, let's practice what they said. Create traffic. Invite someone. How many of my leaders can testify that I've been crying and I lost all my hair? Tell invite someone. Praise God. Hallelujah. Please, Henry, come and close the service. Pastors, thank you very, very much. The Lord honor your faith and make your walk three times what it ever was in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Close the service. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, we 
We thank you for the revelation, the remedy that we've received this morning, the insights that we received. Lord, we thank you. We will not just be hearers of your word. We will be implementers. We will be doers of the word. And your name alone will be glorified. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen. As Pastor said, as you come this evening, make sure you bring at least two people along with you. Hallelujah. Let's share the grace and fellowship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet coming of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. And surely, God's goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our lives as we dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't forget the session this evening. The heavens are open. What feast continues day four. What a mighty God we serve. Let's go in peace. Lift up your hands as I pronounce the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you everlasting peace. See you in the evening. God bless you.